Hey, welcome in Cube Show Podcast, a college football podcast that drops on Sundays. A lot of you guys know what we are. We appreciate you being here. We are going to bring you news from the Southeastern Conference and break down Southeastern Conference football each and every Sunday. This Sunday, a little bit different than what we've been doing the last few because we have actual games to review. Now, last week we had Auburn and Vanderbilt but we were still able to get into a full team preview as far as the spring is concerned. We're not going to do a full team preview today. They're just We're actually not going to be able to get to all the spring games today. Um, we're going to break down Tennessee. We're going to break down Ole Miss. We're going to break down A&M. We're going to break down Georgia. Uh, we're going to break down Arkansas. We're going to break down Mississippi State. We, there's just a lot to go through just from spring games yesterday, and we got some news that we need to cover as well as the portal opened up yesterday. So we got a lot going on. We got a lot to get to. I'm really interested to share with you my thoughts on Mississippi State and their spring game. Really interested to, sh- with, to share with you some of my concerns about Georgia moving forward because I think they're going to be very different going into this year than they have been the last few. Um, interested to share my my takeaways from Tennessee and because they're they're. I think a couple of these teams we're going to talk about, there's not a lot to take away because of who wasn't involved. But when you dive into it, there are little micro details about some of these teams that I liked and don't like. So we're going to try to get to all of them. We're going to cover them and we're going to talk about it. And just kind of, like I said, Sundays during the season, we watch all the games, we review the film, we let you know what we saw. Same thing with spring ball. It's a little bit more difficult to get through some of these games because they're a little more choppy. And obviously, they're regular broadcast, don't have game film to get through. I can't blast room as quickly um i was in houston yesterday for xfl so it's been a little bit compressed we're gonna bump south carolina to next week just because that was a later one and what it was kind of last on the list because of when it was played but we will review that spring game next week that's going to happen so don't don't sweat it if we don't get to it today uh because i'm excited about a lot of what they did you know we we review we previewed their spring here recently so i'm excited to see how some of the things looked on the field always brought to you by our friends at wickles pickles wickedly delicious uh saw a recipe on their instagram for uh fried wickles pickles in the air fryer if you have an air fryer and you can get Wickles, go check that out. At Wickles Pickles, Twitter and Instagram. They are the best. We love them. They title sponsor the show. We've always got the goods sitting here laying around for you. They are amazing. All right. First, some news. Transfer portal. We mentioned that it opened up. Auburn has Jeffrey Emba go in. Also, Des Tisdall, a linebacker. Um, uh, Emba is a... Listen, I'm not going to say a massive loss, but it looked as though the middle of this Auburn defense was going to have some depth and maybe end up being one of the strengths of the football team with Justin Rogers coming in. Marquise Burks is back. You got a couple other. uh, Nasil Kite looked pretty good in the spring game. The Maryland transfer, we talked about him last weekend. So it was starting to look like, okay, the middle of this defense, man, this might be be pretty good. And Emba, when I talked to Jimmy Brumbaugh, the D-line coach last year about him, and I've talked to some of those guys on staff this year, sky is the limit. Like the, the, the talent at his size with his girth is just off the charts. So uh, I think it's a big loss because he's a guy that had a lot more potential than some of the other bodies on there in that defensive line. You still got Jason Jones, the other guys that I mentioned. The numbers are going to be okay, but I think it's a fairly big loss because of what he could have turned into. And now he's going to be playing football somewhere else. Uh, Anthony Rose, South Carolina safety hits the portal. Um, you know, that's obviously this is going to happen. And think about the timing on some of these. So you're going to see some of the like some teams are going to say, we haven't had anybody hit the portal. Well, your spring practice isn't over yet. Spring practice ends. That's when the floodgates are going to open. I mentioned a couple of guys uh, that have left Auburn, like Brown left last week, too. On the, off the defense, another linebacker. 
But then you go to Missouri and their spring practice is over. So they got an idea what things are going to look like. Tight end Gavin McKay hits the portal. Uh, corner Marcus Scott, D lineman Ian Matthews, and running back Taj Butts all hit the portal. Well, their spring practice is over. So it's, more guys are going to be on the move. It's just the way it's going to be. It's the reality of it. The big news that came out yesterday, I think it was right before Georgia spring game actually kicked off, was that uh, D lineman Bear Alexander is, is going to hit the portal. And uh, shout out to Jacques Green, um, who all time great at Florida, and is now a wide or now a head football coach in high school down in the state of Florida. He tweeted something that said like this will be his fifth team since high school or something, and I was like, what? So I went back and looked. Um, so he played at Georgia, played at Skyline High School, played at IMG Academy, played at Ryan High School, and played at Terrell High School. Okay, it's a lot. Uh, to be a young college football player still. But dude's talented. Dude can play. We saw him flash towards the end of last season. This is going to be a big get for somebody else. I think Georgia will see a few more. Don't go nuts. I mean, listen, we know what the talent is on that roster right now. It's not It's not a massive deal. It's going to happen. Guys are going to feel like they're not going to play a ton, and they're going to want to get out. No big deal. All right, so since we're on Georgia and we're talking about that, let's go Georgia spring game first. Tell you what I saw, what I liked. Um, pretty clear Carson Beck is the guy. And there's a lot to like about him yesterday. Now, I'm not going to go full Aaron Murray. Wink, wink. Yeah, I'm taking a shot at the former Georgia quarterback and say he's going to win the Heisman. He didn't predict it, but he just kind of threw it out there, uh, which I thought was funny coming off a spring game. However, command, poise, accuracy, release, delivery, velocity on the football, changing velocity with the football, he looked very presidential at the quarterback position in that Georgia spring game yesterday. And when I say that, I mean just in command of the entire offense, all of it in its entirety. Uh, and the good news for Georgia fan is it's not like Vandergriff looked bad. Um, and it's not like Stockton looked bad either. You know, Stockton kind of the more mobile guy, tougher, physical. He'll take on contact. You saw him rush for a touchdown. He'll move around, do a little bit more, but it's probably not likely all three of those quarterbacks are going to be on the roster after spring. I think you'll be in good hands, whoever ends up being your backup. And Stetson Bennett won two national championships. I'm not going to downplay that. I'm not going to downplay anything he's done. But from a talent perspective, could this be an upgrade? Now, you know, Carson Beck's not going to move the way Stetson did and be able to manipulate the pocket and add the quarterback runs. But just from an overall arm standpoint, and I still think Stetson's arm is way underrated. But this kid looks the part. That's all I'm saying is, is he he looks like an SEC quarterback in the way that he operated. So, And I think the good news is, too, the weapons may actually be more plentiful. When you think about everything Georgia's going to have back. So just a, just a peek at Brock Bowers yesterday, but we know what he's all about. We don't, we don't need to see any more of him. Um, Arian Smith, been waiting on him with that you know big-time speed to be able to be involved. Saw him a little bit. Uh, Dylan Bell, you saw – I mean, listen, I don't know, but this, this Makai Muse kid uh, was all over the place. I don't know if he can help Georgia this year, but he made plays, and Kirby talked about how much he made plays against the scout team. It's cool to see a guy sticking around, kind of get some opportunities. Now, on the flip side of that, we've kind of all seen these, these spring game heroes and MVPs that go out there and just ball and do crazy things. Like, I want to say Brandon White, a wide receiver that we had at Auburn, was a spring game MVP two years in a row. Yeah, like 12 for 206 and three touchdowns and like, nine for 187 and two touchdowns like he just balled in the spring games and and didn't see a whole lot of the field once the season came around 
Dominic Lovett, obviously the Missouri transfer is going to help in the slot. Saw him returning kicks too. He's going to be really valuable. They're going to move him around, do different things with him. And that was the other part that I saw. Like Roderick Robinson, the freshman tailback, saw him. Good power, good explosiveness. Uh, Savon Clark got a few carries. Dejon Edwards, is we, we know what he's capable of. The running back by committee is going to be fine. I'm not worried about that group at all. Um, but I will say that I just I think when you go all the weapons – like Oscar Delp at tight end, Lawson Lucky at tight end, who Kirby seemed to really like when Alyssa Lang talked to him about him on the sideline yesterday. Um, they all look like they can play. They all look ready. And we've seen Delp really came on late last year. They don't have a Darnell Washington at tight end as far as being that big and physical with that kind of bulk. But maybe you don't need that this year if the offensive line can kind of take a step with a lot of guys back. And Stacey Searles in year two, now they have a little bit more understanding. Um you know, I thought Amaris Mims did some nice things. Um, I thought there were a couple of guys on that offensive line that that had some good moments in this spring game. There were a few letdown plays. Uh, you know, there were a few things that you saw. Most of it was kind of free runners where they didn't switch it off and didn't pick them up. But I, it, it didn't look overly concerning to me. Uh, Tate Rutledge did a few nice things. He, You can tell he's got some nasty. Um I mentioned Mims did some good things. I liked how Cedric Van Pram was pulling around a little bit, doing some things out in space, but he's he might be the best center returning in college football. You expect that. Um, Makai Morris was a guy that I saw pull around a few times, have a few nice blocks, do some good things uh, for that Georgia offensive line. Um, who else was there? Uh, Monroe Freeling, a freshman who was out there getting a good push a few times for that Georgia O-line. So they got numbers there. I'm not worried about it. After seeing... Carson Beck, and I'm not going Aaron Murray Heisman prediction here, but after seeing Carson Beck just operate in his operation, I feel better about this offense going into this year maybe than I did last year. Um, and then there's the Mike Bobo part of this. Anybody watched it think it looked severely different? Because it didn't. It didn't look a ton different. Um, you saw the pre-snap motions. You saw him use the width of the field. You saw a quick distribution to backs and receivers out of the backfield in the flat. So you're taking advantage of that portion of the field. If it's not defended correctly, you saw balls pushed down the field. You saw legitimate play action. You saw the RPO game. You saw tight ends involved. You saw different motions. I mean, it was all like Munkin's, like just follow up what Munkin did, put a little bit of your touch on it. We're not going to see everything in the spring anyway, so who cares? But you got motion, you got play action, you got formations, you got personnel groupings. Like that was it. That's what Munkin did well is he made you defend everything and you saw flashes of that yesterday. So came away feeling pretty good about it. Um, I thought uh, I thought defensively, the second and third level were pretty good. And we, we know this linebacker core is going to be fine. Not not too concerned about it. Tyke Smith, obviously, not hadn't been healthy in a while. We've been waiting on him, what he's capable of doing. Um, you know, he had the interception yesterday. I think it was brought back on, on a flag. Um, you saw Bullard get an interception as well. You know, he's a guy, kind of a ball hawk on the back end. Javon Bullard, he made a couple of plays. Um, but up front is where I was a little worried. What I did like is how the DBs were playing downhill and, and really attacking the football. Like Dalen Everett came up, made a big play. Uh, Janelle Aguero, the freshman, he came up and made a big hit. So seeing those guys fly up, it just it 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 reiterates that this defense is not going anywhere from a physicality standpoint, from a tackling standpoint. There were a few plays on the perimeter that weren't tackled as well as you want, but it's a spring game. You're not going to really get mad about that. Um, up front is where I was worried. 
because, and I know this is, there's a lot of, like we mentioned, a lot of veterans on this offensive line and you've got movement and you've got tight ends, you got extra help. However, I wanted to see more disruption from, from the front. And and I, I didn't feel like we got a ton of it. Um, it just, it, it kind of wasn't there. Like I didn't see Nazir Stackhouse really flash a whole lot. Um, Tyron Ingham's Dawson here and there in the backfield, making a play or two. Uh, saw 35 off the edge, rushed the passer a couple times. He looked flexible and looked quick, had some good twitch. But it just, it's, maybe it's because of what we've been used to. And it's just not the same as that. But all in all, I think coming away from the Georgia spring game, it sounds crazy. I get it. Keep in mind, Georgia's on a different standard right now. We're not measuring them against everybody else. We're measuring them against Georgia. And it just kind of doesn't feel like it has up front. And that might not matter. It might not be a huge deal. But that part's also won them a lot of games in the past and made them very difficult to deal with. So that was kind of my takeaways from the Georgia spring game. Um, we'll go. Let's go back to Florida quickly. Because that one was Thursday night, and a lot of people have kind of forgotten about it. And there are a lot of people that are pooping on this deal. There are a lot of people that are down on Florida. They're not going to win four games. Oh, God, they look terrible. Count me out of that boat. All right. So if you go back and you really pay attention to it, and you watch a lot of the pressures, which I'll give Austin Armstrong credit, the new D coordinator. I told you guys you would like him, Florida fans. And what does he do? He comes in there. I think he called like seven corner cats. He's got all these other pressures coming from different spots. Safeties are rolling down in the box. Backers are coming in the aid gaps. Cross dogs, double A. He brought it all. And I respect it. I appreciate it. I like a spring game that gives you things like that, that at least makes you feel more like it's a real game. But the offensive line, and you throw the quarterbacks into the mix here as well. I saw some running backs go the wrong way. I saw the tight ends whiff and pass pro a few times. It's not just that the offensive line's terrible and can't block and got beaten one-on-one. That, that wasn't exactly the case. Now, are you concerned that there were pressures? Yes, of course. But I think a lot of it can be cleaned up because a lot of it was mental and a lot of it was awareness and a lot of it was recognition. That can all be repaired much easier than it can a guy getting his ass kicked out of left tackle in one-on-ones all day. I didn't see a ton of that. Now, I did think Kenyatta Goodwin, the big transfer from Kentucky, was really nice in the run game. But I also thought that there were a couple of times that he got a little bit lazy in pass row. Uh, So the pass protection is going to have to be there. Here's what I liked about it, though. Montreal Johnson's still vastly underrated. He's going to be a really good SEC running back. We know you have another changeup back in ATN. Okay, we got Ricky Pearsall, wide receiver. A couple of the other young receivers started stepping up. I mean, we saw Andy Gene. We all been waiting on him. And I was impressed with Andy Jean because he has like a real receiver body, but he showed legitimate twitch. I mean, the one player he kind of backed up a little bit, like I mentioned Jacquez Green earlier, like that's kind of what he reminded me of. I'm not making that comp because the shocker was a totally different deal. I'm not putting anybody on that level until I actually see it. Um, Aiden Mazel and a couple of the other freshmen, like 22, had two good catches, but then you drop a ball. Uh, I thought the drops were a real issue for Florida. That's that can't happen in this offense because it's not a it's not a machine gun pass offense. Whereas it's just like it's not a repetition pass offense. It's not air raid or run and shoot. Like you're, it's a precision pass offense. Like the, you pass the ball in this offense when it's there. Like you take advantage of the defense. That's when this that's when this offense likes to push the ball down the field. And so you you cannot live with drops in this offense. Air raid, you got a couple drops, you're going to be able to make up for it because you're never handing the ball off. Who, who cares? It's not a huge deal. 
they can't have drops in this offense. But what I did like is when Graham Mertz was able to set up, he delivered multiple very accurate throws off play action and in the RPO game. Things that you know, we haven't, he hasn't been allowed to do a whole lot in the passing game. But I came away feeling pretty good about Graham Mertz. And I understand that Billy said after the game, we're going for a quarterback in the portal. I understand that. And that's fine. But listen, it, it, it is what it is. Um, you know, I thought you had some you had some good reps from the tight ends. You know, Hayden Hansen did a couple of good things. You got a couple of those guys that are still beat up. Um, but all in all, uh, up front, you saw Cam Jackson, the Memphis transfer. He's going to be a problem. He was in the backfield. Caleb Banks up front was in the backfield. So the 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 defense up front in the middle is going to be solidified. Now off the ball, Shamar James, I thought made a few plays. Obviously, you know what you get there. And I thought some of the DBs were pretty active guys that we know about though. Like we, like we know Jalen Kimber should be making plays and he made a couple plays in the game. So I, I'm not, I'm not going nuts in a negative fashion about Florida off what I saw in the spring game. Um, I think they're, and I'm being honest here. I think there was some miscommunication on what was going to happen with pressure. They weren't ready for it. And they got take, they got caught off guard is what it is. All right. So moving on from Florida to Tennessee, uh, we know the Tennessee quarterback situation. It's Joe Milton. Um, I want to throw this out quickly because like, I, I feel like this sort of needs to get out there. Um, you saw Hendon Hooker at the game, and he's being interviewed. My understanding is that uh, when Tennessee had their pro day, I, was, I, I think things like this don't get out enough, and like I think Josh Heupel deserves a ton of credit for this. So all the scouts started calling Heupel and saying, we want to see Joe Milton throw because now the younger guys can go throw at the pro days. And they're like, it was more of them, more of them. And then more personnel from the NFL. They all wanted to see Joe Milton throw. Well, I mean, we know why, uh, which by the way, he, he may have let it out that he's thrown the ball 90 plus before. First off, you don't throw that number out. That either happened or it didn't. Like you, there's no guesswork after 80. We it's 81 or it's 84 or 82 or 85. Like we don't, there's no guesswork in that because past 80 is extraterrestrial. So we got to be exact once we get past that. If it's been in the 90s, I have to know, and I'm probably going to want video evidence of it. I actually wouldn't put it past him either because he's just he can rip it that much. So they're having their pro day, and obviously Hendon's banged up. You know, he had the ACL, not going to be able to do everything. And all these scouts want to see Joe and they're, they're calling Josh and they're calling Josh and they want to see Joe and how much is he going to do? Can he do this? And Hypel shut Joe Milton down from throwing it pro day because he felt like it was getting to a point where it would have taken away from Hendon hooker. Like think about that kind of awareness and how cool that is. But also with the understanding that you could have showcased to all the NFL, what you are going to have on your roster next year and you decided to take a bit of a pass on it. Like, I, I don't know. That, that, I thought that was amazing when, when I heard that over the weekend about Josh Heupel. And it just kind of, again, goes to show you what kind of guy he is, what kind of coach he is. We did not take a ton away from this. So we had Jabari Smaller running back, Jalen running back, Jalen Wright at running back, out. Wide receivers, Brew McCoy, Ramel Keaton, Squirrel White, Dante Thornton, out. Um, Ollie Lane, offensive line, out. Um, Ethan Dial, tight end, out. He had a bunch of dudes on defense that were out. The defensive guys, not as big of a concern for me um, other than Peely uh, because he's the the linebacker transfer from Baylor that everybody's raving about who is he's going to start. He, he's going to be real deal. He's going to be a big playmaker for them defensively, but didn't get to see a ton of him. 
Uh, but the offensive guys essentially that were out put us in a spot where we're just not going to have a ton of takeaways from this. Um, what I did appreciate, though, is you, you see the shift in offensive coordinator. You still saw the emphasis on tight ends. And I think based on what I saw is one thing you're going to get a little bit more of is more intentional focus on the perimeter. So instead of the perimeter passing game, and I mean quick perimeter passing game being sort of an escape or an outlet or kind of a, hey, we don't like everything else, so let's just kick it out here real quick. I think there will be more an emphasis on that to force defenses to play it and put even more more, more emphasis on where they're lining their guys up on it to help things in the middle and help things down the field. So, listen, it's – it. I mean, the, the operation of the offense was – I thought it was pretty tight. I thought it was good. There were a couple of protections that were turned loose and busted. Um, I didn't feel like the offensive line had a great day. They didn't feel very physical. A couple guys went down during the game, so that affects things a little bit as well. But you got to see the tempo and the speed. You got to see the alignment. And you. I think a lot of times in this offense, and you guys, have, if you listen to all this podcast, you've heard me talk about how much goes into learning how to do it, like the technique and the fundamentals of the operation. To see them be able to handle it the way they did, that was one thing I was looking for and I felt pretty good about. A couple differences in the offensive scheme, looking for that just a little bit as well. Um, so, I mean, you saw some of the younger tailbacks come in, like 23 had some juice. Uh, you saw him be able, you know, he did have a fumble kick return. Like the one thing that I will say, uh, uh, you know, I thought there were a few too many balls on the ground for Tennessee, definitely an issue a little bit later in Mississippi state when we're going to talk about them. Um, but I also think that, you know, like Nico looked good. He's fine. He, I, I think he is what everybody's made him out to be. Is he going to beat out Joe Milton? No, but he threw some really nice balls and showed some really nice poise. He can obviously push it down the field. Um, but I thought Gaston Moore, third string quarterback, did pretty good. Quick release, can change the arm angles a little bit, has a nice ball. And I saw two or three passes from Joe Milton where the changeup was there a little bit. There was one little hitch um, like on the seam where he kind of slows it down a little bit, and it was right there. It was money. That's one of those things, by the way, if you go back and you watch Carson Beck that he's really good with. Um, but I, I saw a little bit of growth in, in, in Joe Milton's game. And here's the thing too, like I've even gotten maybe a little overly concerned about the change up and him throwing the ball so hard and not being able to have those other pitches is you don't have to level the ball as much in this offense because of how things are out wide. You're not going to have as much zone coverage with safeties and linebackers in the middle of the field where you have to level the ball over them. So go up and then come back down. So that velocity is actually not a terrible thing all the time. Uh, but I think it's going to be Joe. I think he's going to be fine. Uh, defensively, like didn't really come away with a lot. Um, didn't see a lot of guys. Like I thought Omar Norman Lott uh, flashed a little bit up front for that defensive line. You know, they get the, I think it's Shandron Brady kid in, in the summer defensive lineman. I think he's going to help the Leo positions wide open. We know what Peely's going to do when he gets in with this defense, but there just weren't a ton of takeaways from the defense in this game like Aaron Beasley yeah I mean we 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 know exactly what he's going to be but you know he wasn't available in this game so guys who are going to be relied upon who weren't out there we we know what that's going to look like here's what you're happy about if you're a Tennessee fan Joe Milton looked good he showed some growth in his game the offense will be just a little bit different but it could be different in a way that makes him even more difficult to defend and the buzz coming out of that game, even though he didn't see him, is Dante Thornton apparently is that dude, the Oregon transfer. 
and I quote from what I have been told, runs very much like Jalen Hyatt. If that's the case, okay then. We might not be missing too much from a season ago. Tennessee spring game, there you go. Ole Miss spring game. Some big takeaways in this one, I thought. I think Ole Miss has their quarterback. That's just me. We've talked and we played the clip from Lane Kiffin a couple weeks ago how he is going out of his way to mention Jackson Dart. Multiple times through the spring, by the way, gone out of his way to mention Jackson Dart. And then you hear some of the rumblings from inside that facility about how they've asked him to change some things fundamentally. He has gone hardcore into that, making sure that that happens. Parts of his game that they wanted to see improved that they weren't happy with towards the end of last year. He's taken those steps. Buzz around the facility is there was only one interception thrown by Jackson Dart the entire spring. So if that's the case, he understanding a little bit better how to take care of the football, which was he got a little loose with it towards the end of last season. You're excited about that. Spencer Sanders limited. I know he's not 100%, and I saw what he can do in the game. He looked fine, but I just think Jackson Dart's like coming into his own. I think Jackson Dart's kind of finding himself. I think Jackson Dart's going to be Ole Miss quarterback. That's that's me. And I'm not just basing it off this spring game. I'm basing it on a lot of things. The reps he's been able to get, the things that apparently he's done on his own, technically and fundamentally. He's gone to the quarterback dude in California, and he's helping him out there. Charlie and Lane have asked him to take care of certain things fundamentally inside of his game. He's done that. The intermediate stuff, I still still think like the, the 10 to 25 yard stuff needs a little more improvement there, but that can come. And I think he's got enough wiggle. He's got enough in his legs where he can make defenses defend it and be okay. And he just has a good understanding. Judkins is Judkins. There's no reason to question any part about that. I thought um, Ulysses looked pretty good as well. Did some good things. Um, hard to get a feel of the offensive line, but we've talked about this multiple times now. Michael Trigg back in that offense. He is what's going to make it go. They need him healthy. And he showed you how athletic he is. A couple grabs in this game, being out in space how coverage has to roll to him, how they have to defend him. He's very important. It's got to be there. And I will say, Will Howard, too, the deep ball, like the kid can absolutely push the ball down the field. So we we won't count him out down the road for sure at quarterback. Uh, I think you can tell there's a bigger emphasis and there's going to be in the fall getting the ball to the backs out of the backfield in different ways. Utilize some of the, the extra weapons that you have in different ways and force defenses to defend it. Um I think the offensive line is going to have good depth. We knew you lose Nick Broker, and that's tough, but you got a lot of guys that have played a lot of football, and I felt like at least the early groups that were in handled things okay in that game. Um, You know, you got Jalen Knox had a touchdown. Jordan Watkins did some good things. Larry Simmons, a freshman, had a nice catch or two. So I – Every year, Lane has all these weapons leave on the perimeter, and we don't think they can replace them, and then they end up replacing them. And I felt like your takeaways here, and listen, you had a couple of guys that were, that were out, like Jeremy James was out on the offensive line. Trey Wallace was out. Said Johnson was out on defense. So it's not, again, you're not at full strength. You're not getting everybody. And I didn't think Pete was super aggressive defensively, which gives the offense an advantage, probably the way that, that Lane would have wanted it. But I think your takeaways here are you probably have your quarterback and Jackson Dart is continuing to grow and continuing to improve. And that's really good news for Ole Miss fans because he obviously has the grasp on the offense because he played in it all last year. And I think you saw a few new wrinkles that they're going to try to turn and try to change with that offense this year. And that is 
backs out of the backfield, getting the football in different ways. And then if they have that tight end, and you don't need to see him catch 20 balls in a game, but like with Michael Trigg out there, he changes things and he makes him very different. All right, let's go to the other side of that state, Mississippi State spring game. This is the one that I was most interested to watch. And I'll be perfectly honest with you guys, I probably spent the most time watching this game. There was so much I felt like I needed to learn, wanted to learn. And then I find out that literally the entire defensive line is going to be out. So you probably see a tweet that I threw out there at Cole Kubik, if you're not aware. Um, what do you what do you label this front? And I have I now know that it's basically a two four defense that Zach Arnett put in for this game because the D line was so beat up. So that don't don't take a whole lot away from what happened up front defensively for State because they had so many guys out that they literally went and invented a new defense to run, so they didn't have to play as many defensive linemen. Uh, but on that side of the ball, you know I I I saw a lot of guys who I liked Deshaun Page. Flying around uh, at linebacker. Liked what I saw from him. John Lewis at linebacker. Flying around making plays. Um, also, like Zakari Tillman, linebacker. Saw him flying around 50, making some plays. Corey Ellington at safety, flying around, making some plays. J.P. Purvis off the edge, I think could give State a little more twitch, kind of on the outside, being able to attack the quarterback and do different things. Uh, Deontay Anderson up front on defense a couple of times, attacking from the backside, like tracking plays down. That's one thing that this defense you saw still, they always track plays down from the backside extremely well. That's why sometimes misdirection and bootleg gets them, but it also just shows you how aggressive they are by nature. Here's your takeaway for the state defense linebackers, super active D line didn't play. Who cares? Your linebackers are all over the place. Some of your DBs who you need to replace all your safeties, they look like they're going to be super active as well. Some transfers coming in going to be able to help. But the aggressive nature, the mindset of this defense has not gone anywhere. And even if Zach's turning some of it over, it's going to be on par with a lot of what you got last year. And then maybe that a little extra once some of those D linemen come back and they're they're fully healthy. So I didn't leave with any question marks really about the defense. Uh, left feeling pretty good about it, actually, because – I think you may have more numbers than you did a year ago when you were forced to play more guys, probably more snaps than you needed to, especially playing that aggressive. The offense is where we had all the questions and what we didn't know. Uh, you saw stretch zone on first play of the game. Love it. Like This is the play they're going to live and die by. This is going to be the basis, the blueprint, the foundation of this offense. What do they give you the next play? Stretch zone, end around a Tulu Griffin touchdown. So they show you the stretch play. They wind you out. They show you the opposite part of that and what it gives you. Like I said, aggressive defense. They track the backside. Here comes the end around touchdown. Uh, you saw pre-snap shifts and motions. Holy hell, you can do that in a Mississippi State offense? I know they actually did have a couple more motions last year than they did the previous year, but that's going to be very different. Uh, Will Rogers started off pretty slow. I'm not going to lie. There's no way to get around it. He was pretty sloppy early. Um, and you're not going to get your number one tailback in this game. Like Woody Marks was out. Cam Jones is out up front of that offensive line. So even on the offense, you had a couple guys that didn't go. But Will did begin to sort of find some rhythm and find some touch. And I thought he made a couple of really nice deep throws. And then I, he looked like he had much more poison and much more command after two or three drives. He's sort of getting things rolling. Um, Jeffrey Pittman, the Juco tailback, had a long run, showed some good hands, but then he fumbles. Seth Davis, same thing. Shifty, quick, different style back, but then he puts the ball on the ground. They had drops. They had bad snaps. They had fumbles. They had incompletions. Like The ball was on the ground entirely too much 
for this Mississippi State offense. That was a massive concern leaving watching this film. And I know it's only one, it's only one sample size. It's probably not what it's going to be, but it's it's a concern because it was collective. It wasn't just bad snaps, which Florida had like five of those. So that would have been a concern there. It wasn't just drops, which we mentioned Tennessee had a couple of drops. It wasn't just fumbles. It was collective. It was all of it. And it was a couple of throws that shouldn't have been incomplete, like I said, that Will made early on. But we hadn't seen him turn his back to the defense. We hadn't seen him under center a whole lot. They didn't go under center a ton in this game. They were more pistol to sort of offset that. And the passing concepts, as you saw, you're still going to get cross. You're still going to get you know, your corner routes and different things, your mesh concepts. Uh, that, those are all still going to be there. Here's what kind of concerns me about what I saw from Will Rogers in this game. I thought the pass protection actually held up fairly well most of the game. But it also, I mean, think about that air raid offense. It's one, two, ball out. It's get the ball, boom, ball out. Remember, Mike Leach said someone's open on every play. So he always believed that you could be able to get the ball out to somebody right away because they were going to be open based on just how you were running things. Okay, well, your mental clock there is pretty quick in the air raid offense. You're not holding the ball a ton. What I saw from Will, and this is something that can probably be repaired and potentially won't be an issue down the road, but I'm a little worried about it is when he got to the back of his drop and he got through his progressions, it was almost like immediate panic set in. Like, I got to go instead of, okay, wait, 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 get ball out or wait a little bit longer, go to check down, wait for this to open up and try to hit that. It was almost like I'm not used to, his brain was, I'm not used to being here. So we, we, we got to get, we got to just go. That that maybe can come with time. It's going to be a big adjustment, uh, but that's something that I noticed from a quarterback perspective with him in a new offense. Uh, Justin Robinson's a guy they need at receiver. Had a big catch, but then had a drop. Uh, big physical target could be big for them on the outside. Xavier uh, Thomas had that one-handed catch. Was really nice. We forget about Jaden Wally and how great he's been at certain points in time in his career. He's going to be back. Creed Whitmore had a nice catch. It looks like you have some numbers at tight end. 98 Malik Ellis, who was an offensive line signee. I think he's an early enrollee that was there. He actually did some good things at the point of attack. Uh, you get Antonio Harmon in there. Nick Lauderdale, maybe more of a flex guy, can do different things. So the whole the whole they don't have tight ends thing, I'm not worried about that anymore after seeing what I saw. They've got good numbers there, and they got another dude coming in from TCU who's going to be able to help. They'll be fine there. And when you get your go-to tailback back, I think Woody Mark's going to be a good fit for that stretch play. I Actually, I liked what I saw from the O-line in the run game. Now, later in the game, um, I thought Quatravius Johnson kind of gave up and passed pro a few times, got a little sloppy. I didn't like what I saw there. Um, you know, but as far as like Steven Lasoya, pretty good in the run game. Like Cole Smith's going to give it to you. Like he was nasty. Like he was dropping elbows on dudes that were on the ground in this game. Like you have to love it. 57 was all over the place. Like he treated like a real game. Um, but I thought a couple of those guys that I saw, like Jackson LaHue did some really good things. So I, I'm not as worried about the offensive line. They got two coaches working with them. They're going to be okay. We'll figure it out. The stretch play sort of allows for some deficiencies, but you just have to have continuity. You got to be on the same page. That is critical to be able to make that go. So a lot different, a lot very different, some the same, but I think there's some key positive takeaways for Mississippi State coming out of the spring game 
a couple concerns as well. Just kind of what it is. Arkansas spring game. They're going to change some things offensively. Saw KJ Jefferson go under center in this game. That's going to be a little bit different. I thought KJ looked even leaner than he did last year when he leaned up last year. That'll make him a little bit more athletic. That'll make him obviously somebody that's more difficult to get to the ground. I don't think they're going to run him as much. You saw some of the option plays where he did keep it and run it. It's going to be there. And if they have to utilize it, they will. But I think they want to even things out a little bit more, not be as reliant on motion and quick throw and directing the ball to one person. Um, The other thing is, like, you know, KJ's a real deal. Rocket Sanders, real deal. I mean, you saw him stiff arm guys. You saw the Le'Veon Bell patience. And then I think he gets to to full speed after like a sideway, like a lateral shift faster than any back in college football right now, because he can kind of dance and then get to full speed super fast. That's why he's elite. Uh, He looked great. AJ Green is a quick shifty back. I think can give him a nice change up. We've already seen him in Arkansas uniform. We know what he's capable of. Um, But I think like quick game is not going to be as big a part of what they have to do. It'll be there. They're just not going to build around it like they did as much last year. I think you'll get more RPOs. You'll get more formations, but different formations to kind of even the defense out a little bit more. Obviously, you'll go under center, and that'll be a little bit part of it. The other part, too, is I thought KJ's feet looked a little bit better. Like he looked, he wasn't throwing his off balance as much. He was kind of driving the football with his lower body. Little things like we talked about a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, how Danny Nose is going to be able to help him out. Because I know for a fact through this spring that KJ has really taken to Danny Nose's emphasis on quarterback fundamentals, footwork, your body control, shifting your weight the release, things like that. Like he's really kind of nerded out on that this spring. And I think it's going to help him as it pertains to going to the NFL. So that's big for him. Uh, the receivers, I think passed the eye test right out of the gate. So like you get Isaiah Stratania or whatever, I forget his name when I was watching the game, like your deep ball guy, like he's going to be able to take the top off. Um, obviously, you know, kind of, I think you Satinga, he caught a deep ball, caught a deep touchdown pass, showed you he's got, he can burn. Um, Tesla had a couple of nice catches. Andrew Armstrong physically looks the part, big 6'4 guy. So I think, like, from an eye test perspective, the Arkansas wide receivers passed the test. Now, we haven't seen productivity in game, but they've hit a couple home run on transferred receivers the last few years. And it looks like they may have that on deck right now as far as the receivers that are coming in for Arkansas this year. Um, tight end Ty Washington, a couple of grabs. Luke Haas, somebody it looks like th- this going to be able to help at the tight end position defensively. I like Torrin Carter, a couple nice pass rush moves. Uh, they need to g- be able to generate pressure without blitzing, though. The majority of the pressures I thought came when they brought more than four. Like the front four are going to have to be able to get home. It's one of the biggest concerns with this group. Now, Trajan Jeffcoat, we know what he's all about. He's going to be big time. He had a couple wins and he looked pretty good. Uh, also, super active at linebacker Antonio Greer, South Florida transfer that we talked about when we previewed Arkansas. Big time locker room guy, leader. He can run. He's fast. He's going to be big time. And you saw it in this game. He, he tipped a pass, had a couple nice tackles. DBs were super active. Uh, the LaRondo Johnson kid from Baylor, like he's all over the place. And that's an area that's got to be better for this Arkansas defense. And I think you feel pretty good about that. I'm excited to watch KJ Jefferson in this offense because yeah, the offensive line, they're, they're going to move guys around. 
Uh, they're going to try to find the best five. They have time to be able to do that. There's still some experience. Like to Christ uh, Crawford, I like the good push I saw from him in the spring game. He's got some real power. You saw it on display. We know Bo Limmer's going to be at center. Trying to locate your tackles now and figure out that starting five, exactly what it's going to look like. But considering the offensive line brain trust they have in Fayetteville, I think that part of it's going to be okay. But I, I'm really – and I'll say this too. The two backup quarterbacks look pretty good. Like Jacoby Criswell looked nice. He did some good things. Malachi Singleton, like on the run, first throw, completed it. Uh, it showed good arm strength, good accuracy. Like I think if you're an Arkansas fan, you're probably pretty excited about what you saw with the quarterback position in its entirety. All right, finally, the last one we're going to preview today. Um, and don't forget, Cube Show also brought to you by our friends at Blue Delta Jeans. Go to BlueDeltaJeans.com. The most comfortable denim you'll ever wear. Custom fit, lightweight, so you can wear it in the summer. You can dress it up, wear it with a shirt and sport coat. Or you can go with a t-shirt and it's going to work all year round for every occasion. It is the best pair of jeans that I have ever owned. Okay. Texas A&M, Connor Wigman, that guy. We know he's going to be the quarterback. Max Johnson did some nice things. You saw the eye formation, some old school Jimbo, by the way. Eye formation, play action, turn your back to the defense, crouch down, come up, hit that play action up over the top for a touchdown pass. Um, But you did see more shifts. You saw some pre-snap motions, different formations. Like that's what Bobby's going to bring to the table. And that's what you have to be excited about. Those are the things that I think must take place. The presentation of this offense before the ball is snapped. It's got to be different. And you saw some signs that it's going to be. I felt like this spring game was a little bit slower paced than a lot of the other ones we saw, like very calculated, so to speak. And I thought that may have helped out a little bit as far as um, assignments and mentally guys going through this. There weren't a ton of busts, but here's what we know. And here's what was reiterated. Evan Stewart is a real deal. Uh, You know, Moose Muhammad is going to come back and what he's going to be capable of. Anias had the yellow jersey on, but he is an absolute burner. They're going to line him up different places. He's going to help. You saw Ruben Owens, the freshman running back, had some hands out of the backfield, catches the ball, a couple nice runs. Le'Veon Moss, Jimbo and those guys talked to us, Daryl Dickey, about him last year. And I left this spring game loving how he gets north and south, how he gets downhill how much anger he has when the football is in his hands. That's what I like about that young man. And I feel like he could easily be the feature back for this offense. Layden Robinson did some nice things on the offensive line. Remember, War Daddy kind of went away last year a little bit. I saw a little bit of War Daddy in the spring game. So hopefully he's back kind of doing some things that need to happen. Too many false starts on the offensive line. I don't know how much of that's on quarterback. I don't know how much they were trying to change snap count. Different quarterbacks, that does affect it. But either way, you can't have multiple false starts in a spring game. Like, this is your guy. This is your team. This is your operation. You're at home. It just, you you can't have it. Can't take place. Um, I'll tell you who else I liked up front on that AM offensive line uh, was big number 56, John Sabre. He had, he had multiple nice blocks. Um, a guy who I think can really help that group out and did some nice things. So, you know, I think I think the A and M offensive line is is one that we know the bodies that are going to be back. We might not know the exact order of who's going to line up where for all five spots, but they got enough to be able to help. Uh, you saw Jaden Platt at tight end. 
that's sort of a question mark exactly where we're going to go there. But at the end of the day, I think you have to feel pretty good about this offense with the tailbacks that you have, the veteran offensive line, the receivers that can hurt you in multiple ways, and really two quarterbacks that are capable. Do I give Connor Wigman the edge? Of course I do. But he made a couple questionable decisions in this game that you didn't really feel great about. That can't continue. Something he's got to clean up as we head into the summer and then head into fall. Uh, defensively, Bryce Anderson, nice hit. But Sam McCall did some good things on the back end. Walter Nolan, who, buddy, is going to be a handful up front for this A&M defensive line. The dude is, can strike and shed. He's got, it looks like, about an eight-foot wingspan. He's loose enough to be able to beat you in pass throw situations one-on-one, inside, outside. He is going to be a problem, which they got a lot of dudes. We knew that D-line is going to be legit. But Walter Nolan is going to be a problem up front. And then I thought Gabriel Brownlow-Dindy did a couple nice things for the AM offensive line. And he's not even a guy we're relying on to give this group a ton of depth. Like we know McKinley Jackson. We know Isaiah Rakes. We know Shamar Turner. Like we know all those dudes. And now they might have somebody else who can really help and add extra depth to that group. Still a little bit concerned about linebacker. And just want to kind of see exactly what the offense looks like. But there were some positive takeaways from what AM did and what AM was. All right, that's your spring wrap, spring game wrap up from over the weekend. Like I said, we are we're already going way past what we normally do. We appreciate you sticking with us. Please, YouTube, we have like a minuscule subscriber following. Please go on there and subscribe. We appreciate that. We're going to be here every Sunday delivering college football news from the Southeastern Conference, games that we see, news that we hear, and the portal's about to heat up. After so many games ended Saturday and even more next Saturday, it's only going to keep going. We'll update you on that, what we like, what we see. We got more spring games coming next week, and South Carolina will be next week as well. We're brought to you by Wickles Pickles, Blue Delta Jeans. Always appreciate you tuning in. At Cube Show on Instagram, at Cube Show on Twitter. Please go follow and please subscribe to the YouTube. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.